You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. These are unprecedented times that we are living in, and Jen and I both know that it might be challenging, it might be joy-filled, and it is more than likely stressful on some level. It's all of those things, and we hope that this podcast is supporting you and helping you through some of those challenges. I want you to know that I, Janet, am personally here to support you as well. I am a family coach, and I work with parents individually. If you feel like the cracks are getting bigger and wider and you're losing your mind and you want more coping skills, you want new strategies, and maybe even you're feeling like it's time to really get to the bottom of his behavior, you can schedule a breakthrough session with me. I am waiving my fee until we are free to roam again, so it's totally free for you. We get on the phone for about 40 minutes and we talk. You can schedule a time with me at boysalive.as.me. That's boysalive.as as in Sam, dot M as in Mary, E. That takes you directly to my schedule. Fill that out, and I look forward to getting on the phone with you. I'm here to support you as a family coach, and Jen and I are here to support you with this podcast. We can all do this, and may we all look back on this time and know that we all did powerful work. And now, on boys. So Jen, would you agree that as our kids grow and change, we have to grow and change as parents? Yes, and that is one of the most frustrating things of parenting. Isn't it? Once you think you have it figured out, You've got the read on your kids. You know what to say when they say that, and you have the response, and then all of a sudden it doesn't work. Right. You figured out this is the structure that works for us. These are our rules and guidelines. These are the consequences. These are your household responsibilities. And then they change. They grow into a new stage. And throw in a pandemic. Mm. I mean... Let's not forget. I don't think we can forget, Janet. I don't think we can. <laughs> I really want to talk about this shift that happens 
or doesn't happen and gets us in trouble Mm. in our parenting as our kids grow. I have a lot of conversations with parents. They call me for a breakthrough session and we'll tell you about that later in the show. In these conversations, it's become so clear to me that this shift happens around age 9, 10, 11, that, Mm -hmm. that there is a shift that is required of us as our kids get to that age of like nine, 10, 11, 12 ish. And we don't know about it. Nobody tells us, oh yeah, you figured it out all these years. Now you gotta do something different. And we don't get advanced warning either. You're right. I've noticed that shift is right in that age range, but that's a really big age range, right? Like nine, 10, 11, 12. So you have no way of knowing in advance because there's no rule that says your kid has to give you a two week notice or anything like that, that, Hey, we're going to be moving into this next stage. Now you don't know. It's only when everything starts going off the rails usually. Right. And that's usually when I get the call, but today, hopefully we'll sort some of that out for you, dear listeners. And one of the things I do want to start with is, what we call in Waldorf education, the nine-year change. And that is a big change that happens at this developmental stage. It isn't often talked about in mainstream, but it's really important. And it is the beginning of the shift that is required in you as a parent. So I'll tell you a little bit about the nine-year change. And of course, this may happen when they're eight. This may happen when they're 10 because every kid has their own timeline. But the nine-year change is really this shift in consciousness, shift in their way of thinking and responding to the world, responding to you, dear parents. So their consciousness, their ability to recognize, oh, I have an inner world. I have my own thoughts. Not everybody else in the room is thinking those thoughts. And it can feel really lonely. It can feel a little scary. You might see some regression and your kid wants to cuddle a little bit more or withdraw a little bit more, have some more alone time, depending on the temperament of your child. And it's really that place where then they begin to look around in the world and question. And guess who they're going to question the most? First, most often, most frequently. And it's because you are the safe person in their life. You have spent those last nine-ish years developing trust with your child. And your child knows you. Your child knows where you stand and what you think about things. And so that's, of course, going to be the first place he questions. Yes. So you might see your child, you know, asking or criticizing your actions that, you know, why that was a white lie. Why did you do that? And, and your child is, and this is so good because your child is developing their own opinions, their own thought processes. It's good and it's hard and we need to start parenting them in a different way. What so often happens at that point is because our kids have, for the most part, up until that point, been more or less compliant, right? More or less willing to accept what we say as that's how it is. 
more or less willing to do what we tell them to do without, you know, getting into the philosophical underpinnings and questioning and all of that. When they start commenting on some of these things, when they start asking questions, when they push back, when they call us out on a white lie, it can feel and we can perceive it as backtalk, mm -hmm. disrespect. But there's a difference. How do we uh, sort through that, Janet? Like, what is the difference between disrespect and developmentally appropriate questioning? Yeah. Well, I think this is what you and I talk about all the time. It's having the conversations. And, and you and I were having the conversation before we started recording about um, politics. And you've got kids in your house who have different political opinions than you do. This is the seed. This is where it starts at this younger age of around nine-ish, that they're starting to form their opinions. And they might not fall in line with you politically. They might have really different ideas. And it's engaging in the conversations. It's, it's having having dialogue and i think a lot of us are still striving to hold on to how do we have discourse we've gotten to this place and our kids are bathed if they're on social media at all they're bathed in you know here's a meme that says this here's the thing that says that the article that is you know, slanted to the right or slanted to the left. This is our opportunity as parents to get in, get in the stew with them and start to tease those apart. And why do you feel this way? And what do you think the impact is of, of feeling that way? And recognizing, I will underscore here, is their opinions might be one way on Monday and completely different by Thursday. But that's all part of the growth process. That's all part of them expressing their thoughts, expressing their opinions. And so engaging in dialogue with them is how they get clearer on, oh, this is why I believe in that. This is why I think that. So when you say get in the stew with them, I feel overwhelmed and exhausted already. And it's partly because I've been in that stew, right? And I know that what that really means is I somehow have to sit, stand, be there patiently as best I can, holding my mouth shut, listening to a person who is much smaller, much less experienced than me, uh, in some cases talking like they know everything and I know full well what they don't know, but they don't want to listen to me. And all of that is why this, this shift for parents is so difficult because frankly, parenting is a lot easier. Kid, if you just shut up and do what I tell you to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's been, you know, in those zero to nine years that you've been parenting, you have developed the habit of being the director, being yes. the teacher, being the um, do do it this way because this is how we do it in our family. And that underpinning is starting to shift and, and change a little bit. So yeah, it gets a little bit messy and yet it's so important. So I think that, that a lot of it is just approaching it with curiosity and yeah, I mean, you're not going to be able to engage in every 
discussion that they want to have. But you've you've been trained because you've listened to the Lego Fortnite talk for how long, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. I mean, that's true. If you've gotten to nine years old, eight-ish, whatever, in your parenting, you already have a ton of experience, frankly, nodding, listening, um, appearing... Listening engaged in conversations to the best of your ability. And yes, you know, engaged enough that you are listening and taking away those main points. Yeah. But the shift really now becomes how do we approach parenting from a collaborative perspective? How do we get step out of that place of directing and managing into a place of, okay, now we are and it's not that you're on an equal playing field because you are still the parent, you still do have the final say, but it is that place of like bringing them into the conversation in a different way. And of course this is facilitated and family meetings are one way to facilitate this conversation that you have a a routine around here, we're going to gather on Sunday afternoon or some, you know, whatever your crazy schedule is, but that we, we can rely on a time that we come together and we talk about things. And that can, that can start out with as simple as, you know, who's doing what chores. And I really encourage parents as they're making this shift is to you know, sit together and brainstorm all the things that have to happen. And that's a realization for kids. Oh, yeah, I didn't know that had to happen. All these things that have magically just been taken care of all these years as they step into this new sense of responsibility and capability, then it's time to, it's time to step into more responsibility around the house, for instance. So, so how would one go about instituting family meetings if this isn't something that you'd been doing all along? Mm -hmm. Full disclosure, here's where I'm coming from. I had uh, a friend of mine who had boys slightly older than mine, exactly the kind of friend we all need, right? Yep. Um, she and her husband were great at holding family meetings and they did it on a regular basis and it worked well for their family function. And I never could figure out how to make that work for my family. So I'm really curious what your advice is and what you tell your clients. Well, and of course, every family's different. And you had, you know, your kids were going between two households and that makes it even more complicated. And yet it's, I encourage parents to try this. Just give it a try. And it's not going to be the magic elixir. You're not going to sit your kids down one day and all of a sudden everybody's on the same page about everything. It takes work. It takes work. And yet the payoff is worth it. So setting a regular time, having something fun planned around it, food, you know, is always the big draw and keeping them short, really short. In the beginning. Like, what do we mean by short? Uh, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Okay. okay. Really short. One thing on the agenda. You know, let's talk about how we're going to get the kitchen cleaned up every day. Who's going to do what? And, you know, you may have a kid who loves doing dishes. You may have a kid who 
hates doing dishes, but is willing to help with dinner prep, especially as they're moving into these older ages, like they have their preferences. Right. So, so of course you're going to have more buy-in if they're doing the thing that they kind of like to do or, you know, is less painful than the other thing. So in, within that discussion, then as you're choosing, we'll just stick with this kitchen chores. Then the discussion is, okay, and I'm going to use these words. They've been way overused in the parenting world of consequences and rewards, but it really is about, let's talk about the the cause and effect, basically. So if I'm in charge of putting the dishes in the dishwasher after a meal, cleaning up, and I don't do it, and the dishes are left on the table, then what happens? What's the consequence? What's the natural consequence? So talk about that and decide. And I'll tell you, as I hear from my, as I hear from my family coaching clients that have implemented this, listening to the consequences that the kids come up with are so different than you would ever think of as a parent. Give me some examples. All right. Well, the one that really sticks in my mind was a single mom and her son and their family meeting was about uh, potty talk at the dinner table. Like, <laughs> how, how are we going to, how are we going to rein this in potty talk at the dinner table? And so they talked about it. And, and of course the question was, well, what happens if you have potty talk at the dinner table? And the boy was, his consequence was, well, then I'll get a spanking. And the mom was like, well, I've never spanked you in my entire life. So actually, I can't agree to that. So we have to come up with a different consequence, right? So they talked about it and they went back and forth. And, and finally, the consequence was whoever, whoever has potty talk at the dinner table is in charge of cleaning the toilets. So they, that was mutually agreed upon. And I love how that ends up actually, that's a brilliant natural consequence, like to link potty talk to cleaning the actual potty. Right. I love it. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no. And they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash onboys. 
So then, so the mom was like, so, you know, of course, after they'd had this agreement, she was like, okay, so inwardly she's saying, all right, so I got to slip so I can, you know, also experience the consequence as he has experienced them. So it worked out, you know? You know what? I would undermine this whole thing because here I'm like, I would try and lead him into potty talk at the table so that I would get clean toilets on a regular basis. Of course you would, Jen. Maybe this is why the family meetings didn't work out for us. Could be, but can you see how this brings a structure? But it also brings in that sense of collaboration, that sense of, oh, I'm I'm a nine-year-old boy and I actually have some agency here. I can... It's no longer just mom and dad telling me what to do. I let can me ask you, make some choices. Let me ask you this question. Obviously, family meetings are going to look different depending on the family, depending on the age and number of the children. You know, there's got to be difference to fit your family. But what would you say are some kind of characteristics or uh, things that are needed to have a successful family meeting to set yourself up for success? Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, food is number one. I will say food or within the family meeting, you are planning something fun. Also keeping it short, thinking about all the things that we've always talked about, how boys prefer to communicate. So, you know, be fine with sitting on the round on the floor or some be outside somewhere where that's not like we're sitting at the table and now we're having this, you know, formal meeting, have it be a little bit casual, keep it short, allow for pauses in the conversation. Be okay with that. That's why food is so lovely to just, you know, have that. Choose one topic in the beginning choose one topic. And I, I I encourage using a talking stick or some sort of, you know, whoever's holding the object has the floor. Mike and I actually used that technique one time. Um, We had another couple over and, you know, their discussion was getting heated. They're close friends of ours. Right. And we happened to be hanging out in the kitchen. So I, I don't know why there was a spatula on the table, a spatula. And I like, okay, you have the spatula. You can talk cannot talk unless you have the spatula and we joked about it but it also worked yeah it works i would also say dear listeners this is an opportunity to be vulnerable this is an opportunity to say you know what things haven't been going that great i really want things to change i think you guys want things to change this is a starting point for changing, shifting the dynamic. I have one client who, you know, there's been a lot of yelling and a lot of frustration around screen time and too much screen time and just getting really vulnerable about like, I don't like this. Let's figure out how this can be different. Cause you know, if you're not happy as a parent, you can guarantee your kids are not happy either. Children do not like conflict and tension between us. They don't. They may put up a a facade. They may act like they don't matter, but they don't feel secure or comfortable. You know how you feel, you know, if you're having a fight with your significant other or a brother or a sister, it's just a yucky feeling. And our children feel that as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. So I really encourage that, just that risk. It is a risk, but where else can you take risks like that than in your family? How can parents deal with a child not wanting to take this seriously? A child who doesn't, you know, is just coming back with sarcasm and smart answers and what would your advice be at that point because that's very developmentally common around I'm thinking 14 but it could be sooner yeah I mean so you know of course if you've implemented family meetings from an early age that lays the foundation of course but you know we can't go back and recreate history and so I would encourage families to continue so, you know, cut that meeting short as gracefully as you can, but that your child knows that, oh yeah, we're doing this again next Sunday afternoon and then next Sunday afternoon and that they recognize that uh, they actually can't derail the meeting or the fact that the meeting is going to happen. Um, and of course, you know, you want to come into it as calmly and, and uh, patiently as you can. So again, all the things, keep it short, have one topic, ask him what, you know, what's, what's going on? What are you, what's, what are you not happy about? Let's have that be the topic. And in this, again, is that place where, yeah, I, I've come down on you kind of hard on that thing. Let's talk about that. And, and I do also tell parents, look at where you can give a little and so it might be as simple as, you know, the reward for if I do this thing all week and your son might say, oh, I get 30 extra minutes of screen time as the reward. I would say, what about 45? Just Ooh. give a little. Just give a little. Ooh, I like you it. Know, oh, I was thinking more like 45. How would that be? And your son's going, what just happened here? But, yeah. but looking for places where you can get off your, you know, out of that, like, I've got the reins and I'm in charge place. That's what opens up to being more collaborative, being, moving into that coaching role. We've talked on here with our friend Joshua Wayne about being on your child's board of directors. You know, there's no one that is in complete control when there's people sitting around the board of directors tables there's conversation there's discussion there's give and take and so i really encourage parents to give see where they can give a little bit this may seem really hard for you especially at first because this is not how most of us were parented you know even hearing those words see how you can give a little for a lot of parents, uh, it, there's this visceral, physical feeling that wells up inside, like, I can't give, because if I give an inch, he'll take a mile. Yeah, yeah. And that's where you need support. And that's where I come in as a family coach. This is the work I do with parents every day via Zoom. And so if you're out there wondering, how can I make this happen for my family? I don't know where to start, or I've tried it and it's been a miserable failure. I encourage you to, you can get on my schedule at boysalive.as.me. 
get on my schedule. We'll put the link in the show notes so you can find it there. And uh, it's free and we'll get on the phone for about 40 minutes. We'll talk about where you are and where you want to be and how I can help you get there. And there's no shame in this. No. For some reason, we think we need to be able to figure it out all on our own. And if we haven't, that if we need to get help, that it means we're weak, we're not smart enough, we were doing something wrong. That is not it at all. None of us can be great at everything. We don't all have the same skills. And so when you are able to recognize that what you're doing is not having the effect you want it to, and so you find a smart person who has those skills and is willing to help you, you're going to move so much more quickly than if you just keep throwing spaghetti at the wall is what it feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you said, we were not parented this way. Mm -hmm. We don't have a model. We don't have a foundation for how to move into this next phase of parenting, which is that collaborative place. And, you know, it's that it's the springboard to their independence is what it is. And this is a way to do it. It's almost like you're putting training wheels on the bike, right? Mm -hmm. So when your child wants to ride a bike, you don't just get a big grown-up bike and put him on there and say, good luck, go. Have fun. He would get hurt so many times. He could be hurt very seriously. So you get a small, appropriately sized bike. And maybe you have training wheels on there. This is kind of a way to allow your son opportunities to experiment with independence, with decision-making, consequences, in a safe, controlled, collaborative environment, mm -hmm. instead of you holding on so tight and trying to control everything, frankly, creating a lot of conflict between your son, and then he gets to be 18, 19, he leaves the house, and suddenly he has to handle life on his own. Or life with roommates and how do you work things out with a roommate or a partner or your college professor. They've had an opportunity to have these negotiations, this problem solving kinds of conversations at, a, you know, in, in baby steps. Did you do family meetings with your girls? No, I didn't know about them then. You know, that was 20 years ago. I yeah. no one was talking about family meetings. Yeah. The other thing that family meetings can really help with, we've all heard that in the heat of the moment is not the best time to deal with things, right? So your son comes home and he's mad about who knows what, and he slams the door and a picture falls off the wall and it breaks. And you know, you've got to deal with that, but he's angry, you're angry, you're yelling. You know that that's not the best time to work through it. You've heard everybody say that. The nice thing about a family meeting is it's on the schedule. It is by definition a time when things aren't hot. Yes. So you can much more comfortably surf through the waves, stay on top of the waves as situations are happening without feeling like you got to get in there and solve that problem right then. That's so it, brilliant. It, you can say that again. That's brilliant. I love the surfing the surfing analogy because yeah. it is it is that and how do you maintain yep. your balance and yes you cannot problem solve in the moment when the thing is happening 
but it helps build their skills, their resilience when you can go back to that, circle back to it. It's a good analogy for another reason too, because nobody is great at surfing the first time they go out. You're gonna fall, you're gonna crash, it takes time, you build your skills. Same thing with family meeting and collaborative parenting, you will get better. Absolutely, and reach out to me for help. Book a free breakthrough session boysalive.as.me. I will be happy to talk with you and help you get to a collaborative place in your parenting. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.